Welcome to the Tribe of Spoken Podcast. Our mission as coaches is to help leaders build themselves into the person their people needs them to be so that they can build servant leaders. If you desire to be a better leader and a better person today, then you found your tribe. Welcome to the Tribe of Spoken Podcast. Our mission is to empower and equip leaders with the tools and information they need to grow along their leadership pathway into not only transformational, but transcending leaders. With over 20 years of experience, the Tribe Coaches hope we can help you grow yourself and your people into servant leaders that impact the lives of others. In part one of episode one, we began a discussion concerning the three most vital components of a leader's psyche and character necessary to transform them into a mental monster capable of leading others through any adversity because of their preparation, perspiration, and inspiration. We'll pick that conversation back up today, and we're so happy you joined us again. Now get your notes ready, and let's grow together. Get us too far away from our our topic so we can circle back to it, but I even create scenarios. I don't pick a lead. I don't pick a captain directly after an interview. I interview the ones that have first, they have to go through several different application processes until I'm sold that this is something they really truly think they want. And then they come in for an in-person interview and that lasts anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. And I, I'm grilling them with, up to 20 different scenarios and questions about their character. But then that, that following week, I try and facilitate the very situations that I pose to them. Without them knowing, I bring other people in and tell them, hey, this I want you to facilitate this, okay? Or I may see something happening in practice and I'll go to that person that's applied and wants to be a captain and say, hey, I need you to go deal with this situation with these people. And see how they really, in a practical setting, right, are going to solve yeah, it. And so, their, when they, do their actions align with their words? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's what we're talking about with the 49ers. Like, your guy went down. Okay, the next one went down. The way you pose it, who's next? Yeah. Oh, let's see it. Yeah. Bring it. Don't sing it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so when you're, you know, I, you've um, brought several programs, you know, out of the the, the depths of uh, the, the winner's bracket. So to speak. <laughs> yeah. Um, how does that function when you first come in to start working to turn a team around? It, does your selecting of your leadership happen in the same manner early on as it does once you've been coaching that same team for a while? No, actually, no, that's a good question. Uh, first, I just become an observer uh, and, and see who your natural leaders are. When you're, when players are in a situation like that where someone unknown is coming in, right? It's a new environment for me. It's not for them. So they're going to be psychologically, they're going to feel a whole lot more safety doing what they would normally do. And that's where the observation comes in. Let's see what their normal is. Mm -hmm. So if it's a senior and people are telling me, oh, well, she's, you know, she's kind of the voice of the team. 
I try and observe what that voice is. It might not be good. Mm-hmm. Might be something I need to rein back a little bit or reel in to a manner of that that is going to fit the cultural pieces that we need in place. Um, well, what you're what you're talking about is the difference between true leadership, the, the good leadership and toxic leadership, because right. that could be what the problem is to start with on a team that, that struggled. They could have great athletes, but not not the right asthma, not the right direct direction for where the team needs to go. Yes. And that was kind of the case um, in the, the two previous teams I went into. Well, you could you could probably pinpoint it to every team that I've been with. In, in some aspect, it might not have been the players were the toxic leadership. It may have been the previous coach. And when you're, you know, you, you take kids or players of any age, really, and you put them into a toxic mixture and as a safety measure for themselves, you're going to get toxicity mm-hmm. because they, they have to have something to protect them, right? Psychologically, emotionally. And so they fall into some of the same habits, some of them do, or they just remove themselves altogether. And that's kind of the place that this, the, the bit of the West was in when I got there, um, not to speak to it too much out of respect for the people that were doing a good job there, that were trying to do a good job there. But the previous person that was in place, super toxic as a person, and that was causing a toxic relationship with people, players, kids, their families. And so, the program dwindled down to about 18 kids. Now we're at 40. And it's just been a matter of, you ask the question, you know, what? how do I change that when I come in? And I told you I observe things, but then um, you have to get things right. You have to get things turned around. And the, the, the first part of that, though, if you were to ask me the first question we started with today, which was, what attributes are you going to follow, right? Well, if I'm in their situation, previous coach is gone. I don't know this guy. Who is this? New assistant comes in. Who is this girl? I don't know this person. I don't feel safe. feel like I'm being judged. feel like I'm being observed, right? What are, you, what are they going to respond to? And so the very first thing I tell I told this team, very first thing out of my mouth other than thanking the administrators that helped me get into that position was going to be the best team in the state. So immediately I haven't judged them. I haven't judged them one bit. I haven't passed any kind of uh, assessment on their ability so far. I've told them I believe in them. And that one statement, I've told them I believe in them. And so that goes back to that, that first thing I told you, if you ask the kids, what you, they want somebody that's going to list them value, right? So there it is. I've just answered that in one statement. They don't even have to question it. They, they know what I believe now, right? And so I think that's, that part is so important. Let's go back to the 49ers. This third, fourth, eighth string quarterback comes in, Right. At what point did anybody grab him in the week leading up and go, hey, if Purdy goes down, you're our guy. You can get it done. We're going to give you the reps to get it done, and everybody around you believes you're going to get it done. 
did that happen? I don't know. I can't answer that question. But if your people don't believe that, and coming from it doesn't matter if it's the coach or the captain or whomever. If it's the all, if I got four captains, all of them get hurt, then I got to believe, and I better have done a good enough job, and they better have done a good enough job selling to everybody else on the team that okay, I'm the one, and everybody believe it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think. That's why that that is such. It's got to be if you're going to be a a a leadership monster, right? Like you said, you people got to know that you believe in them. Yeah. Well, and and I think the other part of that too is you as a coach trying to develop all of your players into leaders. Yeah. And you know, you talked about just. Given Josh Johnson the opportunity to be successful by giving him the reps, you as a coach putting all the players in a lot of different positions to be successful as a leader, giving them the ability and uh, belief's not the right word, but the power to lead the others that they would normally be following, putting them in the position of saying, this person is the leader now. Now you follow him. And we did the same thing on the military side. Mm. Um, I was going to be my next question. I felt it coming. How you do it. Um, How you do it on that side. So, so for (laughs) us, you know, we may run multiple drills of, uh, you know, an an attack or uh, a squad attack or something along those lines. Um, For me, what I've done in the past is before the, the drill ever starts, give those, those uh, younger enlisted guys that would typically be an E3 or E4, put them in position as a squad leader. Like you, you've been on a team for a while. Um, this is what it's like to be a squad leader and you're going to maneuver it. And it's just, it's more or less giving them that rep of going through to lead. And it does two things. For one, it gives them confidence that in the future, if that were to happen, and you have a couple of guys go down that you can step up because you've done it. You've at least done it in practice once. Give them that rep to do it. The other thing it does, it gives them a different perspective. When their squad leader is yelling for them like, hey, I need to know, you know, where you're at on ammo and, and water and, you know, uh, you know, are you safe? Are you are you alive? You got any holes in you? You know, that type thing. You're going down the line. They're yelling for that, and they may not understand how urgent or why it's so urgent until they're in that position. But once they're in that position, they get to see why things are happening as fast and why that demand for urgency is there. It will make them, when they go back to their normal position, be able to relay that faster because now they've been over on that side. They know that the reason they're trying to get that information so they can get it sent up because they've got a, a platoon leader or a captain that's yelling at them like, I need to know all this information like right now so that they can make a decision, you know, miles away to help facilitate their evacuation or um, to get to get some reinforcements to them. So um, I, I think that it, the long and short of it, it provides two roles. It gives them reps as leadership and it shows that the others that this person can lead. And secondly, by them being that leadership position, it gives them a different perspective when their leader is demanding of them. They understand why. Why? There's the there's the key word 
I'm so glad you came back to that. That is the key word. They know the why. <clears throat> yeah. And they get a, they get uh, an introspective look at what kind of leader they're going to be mm-hmm. in that situation. And now they can begin to fill in gaps that they have. Right. Gives them that. Right. And that them. comes back to, to your players being the mental monster and asking them, you know, what kind of leader do they do they want to follow? What are those attributes? And then following that up with, do you possess those attributes? Are you Spot working on. On, on yourself with that? Spot on. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, the you, you said you'll follow these things. Okay, which one of them do you have? Yeah, that's a tough question to answer yeah. for them because, boy, you have to be real and you have to be vulnerable and go, you know what? I don't have this one, this one, this one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I like to, I don't know how much of Chris Kalinda's work you've, you've followed. I think I've pointed you in that direction, but, but not really described all that this guy does. He's kind of, he's mentoring me right now um, through a program that, that I'm in of his, but he has this brilliant uh, set of four leadership archetypes. Okay. And each one, is within itself a great leader. Now I know you can find anywhere online if you, t- if you type in leadership archetypes, you can find a million and one different quizzes, but you're also going to get 25, 30 different leadership archetypes. I love that it's just four. Let's just keep it simple, right? If you can't explain it to a third grader, you're not doing a good enough job. That's why I like four. And each one is powerful in its own right, but that helps give, I have my players take that quiz and find out what kind of leader are you really. And then we look at, their character traits and their personality traits and how that fits that archetype. And then I empower them. Okay. So within this archetype that you fit and the skills that you have, these are your leadership strengths, right? Now let's start looking for gaps. They can start filling in because you said you'll, you follow this over here, but you're this over here. So which of these do you think you need that's going to round you out? Mm-hmm. Right. And, then, and that's kind of how we structure our leadership training. Um, and then we have, I have those, that leadership council that we have after I pose that question to them and they assess themselves and they find their weaknesses, then they pose that to the rest of the players. So there's their drill. Like you said, you know, at a drill, you take your guys and you put them into a scenario where they're the leaders. So they get that every single week. My leadership council does. They're the one posing the question to their subordinates. Right. Like, okay, what are you going to do? What's, what's your strength? What's your weakness? So that we can begin building that and just like trickle down. Right. Thank you for joining us again on the Tribe of Spoken podcast. Captain Alan Thompson and I continued our conversation on what it takes to be a mental monster, which is just an absolute beast of a leader. And the takeaways that we have were all based on one of the core arteries, if you will, of being a great leader, and that is belief in your people and showing them that you value them by believing in them. And the takeaways from this were that when you do that, when you truly believe in your people, you empower them to believe in themselves and to believe in everyone else around them. And you accomplish that through your processes 
and all of the trial and error, especially the failures, especially the failures. Give your people responsibility. Give them leadership. Let them get a taste of it and let them get a taste of what it feels like to fall in their face as well. Failure is the great teacher. There's there's not a better lesson uh, giver than a good dose of failure. And what, what we came away with from those processes and all the trial and error is that by believing in themselves and by believing in their team from top to bottom when they know you as their leader believe in them and they believe in themselves and they believe in everyone else, that belief, that is the adhesive element of a victorious leader and their organization and their respective culture. Catch the next episode where we're going to round out these three key elements of being a mental monster, a beast of a leader. Thank you again for joining us. Pray that your day is blessed and that your leadership has grown today.